coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. All right, guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with uh, the Doc, and we're called Pitmaster and the Doc. And we got we have a, a fantastic uh, uh, we have a fantastic guest here. Um, been watching his career for a while. Loved the way he fights. Hated the fact he had to fight our guy. Um, but you know, this is part of the game and, uh, and he's definitely, you, if you watch him fight, you know, where he gets the, the nickname Lionheart for sure with so many sheep hearts out there. We have a fucking Lionheart, and thank God for that. So we have the Lionheart here, uh, Anthony Smith, and we're going to talk about a couple of things, but mainly like, I'm not a huge MMA fan per se. I'm more of a martial arts guy that loves self-defense and, uh, I do, I do MMA training and, and teaching uh, on the side. That's kind of a hobby I have. Um, it's, not my, it's not my passion in life. Uh, MMA fighters, I think, are the greatest, you know, sp- athletes in the planet. But the, as a sport, I just, I, don't, I wouldn't watch it uh, if it wasn't for um, trying to do this podcast. If, if it wasn't for this podcast, I never used to watch the, the UFCs, except for if I came over to your house, you know do it as a group but so i don't really want to talk about uh anthony lionheart uh, smith right now and his mma we might touch on a couple things but i want to find out about just what a, what a crazy experience it's like everybody's nightmare could you imagine waking up at two in the fucking morning lying in bed you have kids down the hallway and you hear somebody in your house not hear a noise outside somebody's in your every they're in your house and you're laying in bed and your kids are down the hallway what goes through what went through your mind right then i honestly not a lot um when it initially like you wake up and my wife said somebody's in the house and like i remember thinking what Nobody comes in people's houses in the middle of the night. Uh, and then I heard it myself. And then it's just panic. Like, it's, it's, it's fear. It's, it's probably the only, like I've, I've said it several times, it's probably the only time in my whole life that I can actually say I was actually afraid. You know, I, I can't think of another time where I had genuine terror go through my body. But, that, you know, that was, that was the feeling. And, and, you don't have, you know, you have to go face it. That's the worst part is there's no other option. There's no, oh, I'll just go back to bed and maybe he'll go away. You know, <laughs> like I have to go face that. I don't have an option and I really don't want to. What, what, this is the, this is the craziest part. This is the most ironical, um, crazy part. I say ironical instead of ironic because I forget what movie it was. But anyway, it was so ironic. I mean, because the first thing that I hear outside because i live in the boonies whenever i hear a sound uh i i go right for the i go i go right for my de- my flashlight which is actually attached to my gun so i always go for my flashlight which is attached to my gun 
and I was like, just peek outside, flashlight, um, and you know, there's nothing. So I go back in, put the gun right back at the, uh, right back at my bedside table. But if if I heard a person inside my house, I would be scared, I would be nervous, but I would go for my gun. You didn't have a gun. You went out there with your bare hands. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I typically carry. So I have this, you know, my wife makes fun of me. She calls it my, my man bag, but I got this Louis Vuitton like cross body bag and a, and a fits perfectly in it. So normally I, I, I have my bag with me all day everywhere I go. It's my wallet, my keys, my AirPods, my, all my bullshit, you know, and then the guns in, in the main pocket. What kind of gun? What kind of gun? Uh, Ruger SR40. So it, it just fits perfectly. And, and, Typically, I have my bag all day. Uh, I get home uh, when we're hanging out in the house, eating dinner and stuff. It's it's hanging on the little the, the thing by the door, uh, which now looking back at it, that's the dumbest place it could be. Uh, and then when I go to bed, I grab the bag, set it on my bedside table, unzip it. So all I have to do is reach my hand in the bag and it's right on the gun. So uh, for whatever reason, that night I just didn't. Uh, you know, I was, uh, and there's, there's so many things to go into this. Like it was the perfect storm for it to happen. Typically the gun is always there. Uh, that was probably the first night it wasn't in several months, eight, nine months. Uh, and you know, typically we're pretty good about locking our doors for the most part, but you know, it was late. And by the time I went to bed, it was almost one o'clock in the morning. Um, I was smoking, uh, food on the Traeger all night. So I just went out the garage door. And I thought my wife was closing it behind me and I came back in the front door. So I didn't go back in the same door I came out. Uh, and then I just came in and went to bed. Uh, and then when I came in, I just, you know, I was tired. I was ready to just be done with it. And, you know, just, I, he caught me slipping on the perfect night. How was that? Do you think that was some plan? Did he plan it? Did everything line up? Not locking the door, not having your gun. It's like like not having the the parachute. It's like right. well, it, no, it's just up. how did that happen? It was just the worst. Yeah, you know, like everything that happened, it just worked out perfectly for be to be awful for me. He was actually in someone else's house minutes before he was in mine, so he had gotten into like again. I know people like in a lot of other places don't get it, but like I live in Nebraska, and it's it's a fairly safe part. It's a fairly safe state overall. And I live way out west. So there's, I mean, like if someone opens your door into your car and steals your change out of your, your cup holder, that's about as bad as it gets here. So uh, one of my neighbors had left his back door unlocked, like a sliding glass door. And the guy had gone in his sliding glass door and he woke up to him kind of creeping on him in his bedroom. Uh, my neighbor was so drunk. It was a Saturday night, was so drunk. He chased him out of the house and the guy ran out of the house and whipped around and tried to get back in the front door uh and my drunk neighbor was so hammered he locked all the doors and went back to sleep and didn't even call the police uh like he was super confused and you know he just didn't know what the hell was going on so he left his house was banging on doors and trying to get into cars uh i have him on film for like the last seven minutes before and i have him on film walking into my house you can oh, yeah? like my my neighbor's cameras re, like one of my neighbors up the street has cameras that go everywhere and see the entire block. So you can see him trying to break into one of my cars outside. He can't get into it. He sits down in the middle of the street. 
he gets back up. He tries to get back into the car. He can't get in. He goes and lays across the street in the grass, gets back up, and then takes off sprinting down the street. And I, I live at the end of a roundabout uh, or on the side of it, rather. You know, those little, those they're like speed things to slow people down. So you got to go around it to keep going. I live right on the, one of those. Uh, so he's running through the roundabout, looks left and sees my garage doors open. He almost ran right by the house stops looks again and then turns and just runs right in the garage you can see my garage light the motion sensor light come on and he just walks right through the garage right into the house so he saw your he saw an opportunity so, yeah yeah he was opportunistic for sure yeah so he okay so now let's get let's i mean so did you think at first was the first thought going for your gun yeah yeah so your first thought was that. Now it's not there. Now it's just been my, fucking going crazy. Yeah, I, I, I like turned, and I remember thinking, "Holy fuck. shit, fuck!" And then Do you I have anything else you could have grabbed? No, no, it was in my bedroom. So no. I, so I, you know, I have to go out and face him now. You have to face him because you got your kids there. So yeah, you have to him. go protect your kids. Like a fucking alpha male does, and you went out. You didn't even know what to expect. Could have been three guys with guns. Yeah, could have been. You don't know. You have no idea. Yeah. Right. It's a, so there's a funny the story. There's a funny story to that to that part of it too. My wife said that uh, I didn't know this until like the next day. She's telling the story, and she's like, "Oh, I haven't told you this part." So he's screaming in the house at the top of his lungs. It's the most blood curdling, like spine chilling scream you'll ever hear. Uh, and he's just, he's screaming, like it's from his soul. Like he's screaming all the way till he's out of breath. And then the only pause in the screaming is him having to breathe in again. And then he lets it out again. So I realized I don't have the gun, but I don't remember this. I just stood up on the bed, like kind of squatted and just screamed back. Like, I, and I don't know, I don't remember doing it. I don't know why, but I just ran out of the door. And the way that my door works, like my door is right here. I walk out, turn right immediately. And he's... 10 or 15 feet from me. Right outside your daughter's door? Right outside your daughter? You have two daughters, right? I have three. Three daughters, and they're in the room, and he's standing outside of their door? Well, no, he's he's walking through the living room towards me, and if he got to me and took a right, all my kids are right there. So you you had to stop him, okay. Yeah. Holy shish kebab. So you stand out there. And then what's the, what's the first thing? What did you say? No, I never, I never stood. I just turned the corner and what I it's because it's four in the morning. So it's dark and my house is dark. So I can't really see what it is. I just see it's a, it's, I know it's a man because I can hear his voice and I see his body, like his silhouette and he's flexing like his, like he's, he, you can see him shaking because he's screaming so loud that his body's shaking and he's just walking my way. So I turned the corner and never stopped moving. And then I just fucking ran him over. So you ran him over as a, 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 what kind of, what kind of techniques out of all the techniques you have being a, you know, a top rated fucking UFC superstar. You have all these, you have all these, all these tools in your tool chest. What now it's, there's no cage. There's no octagon. This is life or death, saving your kids, saving your wife, saving your life. What difference is there? than fighting an opponent against the cage. What 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 kind of strategy? I mean, this is no camp. You didn't have a strategy going mm -hmm. in. What was your strategy 
right that second. I just had to get close to him. That was like my my thought process. Like I have to get close to him because if he if, if he plugs me as I'm coming around the corner, I can't do shit to protect my family. Like if I can get a hold of him, I can I can I can fight my way through two minutes of anything. You know, like adrenaline will carry you two minutes through anything. You you check. You, I mean, you catch a bullet in your chest, but you're already hyped up on adrenaline. I figure I can I I can kill him in two minutes uh, before I die. So that was my plan. I just wanted to get as close as I could. So I got a hold of him uh, and immediately realized he was small. You know, he was 170 maybe, and then just bombed him to the ground. From where I contacted him to where he landed was like another 10 feet. Uh, and then then his adrenaline kicked in. For just a split second, he looked when at When you bombed him, what do you mean, like a running double? I just got a hold of him and just picked him up and tossed him on his head. Uh, okay. I don't exactly remember like how I had a hold of him. But I just remember having him and then just power bomb him to the ground. And, and, and at first it was easy. Uh, like he went from he went from that that psychopath screaming to terrified. Like I don't think he expected what he got. Uh, and then his adrenaline spiked. And then he was the strongest person I've ever encountered in my whole life. So so this guy's on drugs. Uh, they're not a hundred percent sure. They're saying that his talk screen came back clean, uh, but there's a lot of things they that didn't test for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things they didn't test for. They found a suicide note in his car about a mile away from my house, and uh, like ten bottles of empty psych meds. So, it sounds like he popped all of his meds trying to kill himself, and it just made him fucking crazy. Wow. So after you slam him, he gets back up. Did you follow him to the ground? See, I'm trying to go into like a. More of a self-defense, like, did you yeah, follow so him I, to the ground? I, yeah, I followed him down. And then the the only thing I could think of was, like, I have to get a hold of his hands. Because I didn't know, like, at the, at this moment, I'm already I'm already prepared. Like, he's going to kill me. Uh, but I got a hold of his hands, and there was nothing in them. Uh, so I just wanted to keep a hold of him. Because, listen, who breaks into someone's house at 4 in the morning, announces themselves, and plans to leave? Like, like leave witnesses. Nobody. Like people break in at four in the morning with no intention of stealing shit to hurt people. So I, I didn't catch him robbing me. He announced himself. He was screaming. He wanted us to know he was here. So, I mean, maybe maybe I got too many movies that I watched, but like people who show their faces and and have no problem letting you know that they're there don't plan on leaving you okay when they leave. They That's kind of how my they don't want witnesses. Right. So that's what my mindset was. So I just assumed he had something. So, you know, I, and I'm, I got his hands, but I'm also trying to incapacitate him. And to be quite honest, like, I don't have any problem being honest with anybody. I've told this several times. Like, I was trying to crush his skull. That was the, that was the plan. Like, with what? With what? Elbows, with knees, head? punches, like anything I had. I mean, he would start to get up and I'd pin his head to the ground and just drop the hardest pride style knee I could. You know, I was hitting him with elbows. I, I, I didn't tell anybody this, but I, like I hurt myself, like trying to stop him. You know, like it just he just didn't react to anything. Like so, it was all I could do to 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 hold him down. It, like think about this: it's one thing to be a UFC fighter and to hold down uh, a burglar, but try doing it and controlling their hands at the same time. Good luck with that shit. 
It's hard. Do you ever think of, ever think of attacking his eyes, like gouging his eyes or anything? Or did that? No, ever- I never. I never thought about that. I did consider yeah. choking him a couple yeah. times, but listen, he like he already wasn't reacting like a normal human. Like normal humans don't take that kind of damage and keep fighting. They just don't. And I figure, and what does it take? Three seconds if you get a solid choke on someone to get him out. So if he's already not reacting like a normal human, if you triple that and it's still only nine seconds, like how far can he reach in his pockets in nine seconds before I can get him unconscious? You know, like that's that's how I thought about it. Like if I let go of his hands to choke him, like he's got time to reach in his pockets. And the whole time he was trying to get his hands in his, in his hoodie. He had a big, you know, like a bright green hoodie on and he just kept trying to get his hands in his pockets. Imagine. So you're, you're and that's when I started asking. And that's when I started asking him questions. Yeah. So what was the first uh, question you asked him? Like, what the fuck? Um, I was trying to find out how we got in because I didn't realize the garage door was open. Because then I was scared. Because remember, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come, like I didn't get to come through the house first, and then see him. I went straight to him, so I didn't even know where my kids were, and I don't know how long he's been in the house at this point. You like don't know maybe he more, more people, right? Like who knows? Like maybe he was here for an hour. And a, maybe he was here for an hour, and fucking killed my whole family and you know like now he's announcing himself like i don't fucking know uh so i was trying to figure that out and by and that by that time like my wife had gotten the kids all taken care of and she came back to where we were fighting and said i have the kids they're safe so then my next question was are you alone which i think is a logical next question people wonder why i asked that uh I, i live in a small community and everybody knows who i am who the fuck breaks in my house in the middle of the night and then who does it unarmed? And if you are unarmed, who does it alone? So that's that's my that was my train of thought. So he says yes. That he or I said, are you are you are you alone? And he says no. Uh, and I said, is there someone else in my house? And he says yes. And he starts screaming for someone else. And that's when like I really panicked. Wow. So when you started panicking, did you did you did you did you up the attack at all? What I mean, what were you what were you thinking then? So my my mother in law my mother in law lives with us, and as my wife is on the phone with nine one one, she's relaying everything that's happening, and my mother in law is kind of in shock, uh, standing there like doesn't know what to do, and I tell her to go get me a knife from the kitchen. So that's what she did, and she handed it to me, uh, and I stuck it in the back of his neck. And thinking that he was going to stop moving for a second, and he never did. Like, he reacted just for a second when the blade touched him uh, and then didn't. So, you know, I tell, like, I tell my wife, like, I have to kill him. And she was like, what? I was like, I, I don't have a choice. Like, there's someone else here. And she's panicking already because she hears him say that there's someone in the house. And she hears him screaming for that other person. So, like, I, I can't fight two, you know? Like, I, you got to kill one and fight the other. So I made the decision. Like that's, that's what we have to do. And, you know, I get my body over it and, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it. And my wife stops me. She was like, no, 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 no. I, we've already looked upstairs. There's no one else here. And she's got the kids blocked off in a part of the house where no, like they have to go through me and her to get to the kids. So, uh, she can, you know, she tells me if you see someone else then you do what you got to do, uh, because, because she's seeing it from the outside. So in my mind, I'm having this life or death fight with this psychopath. 
uh, and I feel like I'm struggling, I'm getting tired, I'm starting to fatigue. Um, you know, like my, I'm, I'm just blown up, you know, and, and I'm, we're five minutes in at this point and we're fighting like, like we're in a goddamn dog fight here and he just won't stop and he's not slowing down. So I'm already panicking because he's, he, you know, like I'm in shape because I'm training for a fight and he's outlasting me. So like, I remember thinking like, I don't know how much longer I can do this before the cops get here. Like he, like he might outlast me. Uh, so she says, if you see someone else, she says, if you see someone else, if anyone else, if you see anyone that doesn't live here, you do what you got to do. So I, I, I set it aside and, and, and just kept raining elbows. How bad, how bad, how mashed up was his face when the cops got there? It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Bunch of broken ribs, bunch of broken bones in his face, but he walked out of here. Like walked out of here. Like it was no big deal. How old are your kids? Eight, five, and two. So they kind of know what happened, at least the older ones? Yeah, they all do. They all get it. So that's uh, so what's happened at home to make them feel safe now? I mean, that's a crazy experience for an eight and a five-year-old. Yeah, it's it, it was really, really bad. And so, I mean, it still is a little bit. That they're paranoid about noises. I mean, they all have it. We're getting better about trying to get them sleeping in their own beds again. But for the first like three weeks, they slept on a queen size mattress in my in my master bathroom. So with the lights on, so they could see me. I mean, for the first uh, probably two weeks, I stayed awake until four or five in the morning, um, till the sun started to come up just a little bit, and I couldn't stay awake anymore because no one in the, no one no, my wife and kids couldn't sleep unless I was awake. So probably two, two and a half weeks. That's, that's how we slept. Like I just stayed up all night and then I would crash. My wife would get up. It it was weird, man. It was like, she had this, this weird, like sense that I had fallen asleep and she would immediately wake up and then she would be awake until the sun was completely up at 7am. And then she'd be able to fall back to sleep. So we did that for a long time. And then, you know, we're slowly, I mean, we're trying to get it, but like every day, we wake up and there's at least two kids in my bed, you know, like we're, I mean, it's, it's just a struggle, you know, they're just, they have their sense of security taken away. Yeah. So what, what as, as a martial artist, not as a fighter, but as a true martial artist, I mean, what, what would you t- say? Cause most martial artists have never been in a, a, a real fight at all, much less a life or death situation. Right. Well, what I mean, what do you think? Number one, what helped you as a martial artist the most? Um, is it skill? Was it the conditioning? Was it the mental toughness? And what would you say to other martial artists that maybe someday someone might break into their house? What would, besides the gun thing? What would you tell them um, that as as a words words of advice from someone that's faced the the devil? I mean, shit. I mean, this. I mean. To be honest, I mean, to me, this is worse than, you know, any UFC fighter you've ever faced because yeah. this was life or death. This mm-hmm. was, you You went into this, there's no referee, there's no fucking anything but a life or death thing. Just knowing you were going into that, you're, face, you're walking into the fire. Yeah. So what, what could you, what would your word of advice be towards just all these other martial artists out there that say, shit i i I want i you know i'll never have that experience so i want to hear it from someone that did i i I think the confidence to 
like I didn't doubt for a second that it didn't matter who it, who it was or like if I could control the weapon part of it that I can control the per- I can I can control the body you know like I and that that was my mindset like I I I'm not a gunfighter I'm not a knife fighter like I'm just not my thing you know I know lots of people that are that are super you know experienced or you know you guys like you guys and you know Tim Kennedy's really good he shows lots of videos of him doing his knife fighting stuff and all that stuff but like that's not that's not my that's not my thing uh, so but but the confidence to know if I can control his hands I can control him so that's the first part of it I think just having the skills and the abilities and, and the time in martial arts and knowing how to control a person and and maneuver things and and just you know that's that's wrestling that's jujitsu that you know honestly I think I wasted a lot of time uh and a lot of if I could go back and do that part of it I would I would spend a lot less time trying to knock him out um because I think I wasted a lot of energy trying to do that and essentially like you run into a person who's in a manic episode and 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 maybe may or may not have a bunch of mental issues you know it sounds like he does um from what I've heard since, but, you know, or they're on drugs, you know, you get, you know, meth heads, crackheads, guys on heroin, super hard stuff. Like they're, they're almost invincible. So I think I wasted a lot of time uh, trying to hurt him and I should have spent more time trying to incapacitate him and not by doing it by a consciousness. So whether that was breaking arms or, or you know, shoulder locks and, and, Maybe, maybe figure out a way to to choke him safer than a rear naked choke because I feel like rear naked chokes are, are are super dangerous if you're in a weapons fight. So that that leaves both of their hands free. So you know I, I would probably go back and do that part of it different and probably go to more joint joint manipulation stuff. I don't care. I don't give a shit how tough you are or how drugged up you are, how manic you are. Uh, you start popping shit out of sockets, you're gonna have problems. So. Like whether you feel the pain or not, you're going to have one less arm, you know, or eye. That's yeah. Or eyes or, you know, like I would have orthopedic surgeon. John's always teaching us here with the eyes, but you see it in the UFC. You just get touched in the eye and it's yeah. fascinating. It's, uh, so that's something John trains us in. But what John asked before, I didn't, I didn't hear the answer. What's the response time where you're at? You know, your wife probably calls 911. What's uh, how long are you on your own before someone? I was with him about six minutes. But the response time for the police was only about four. It was pretty fast. So she and she's such a she's such a G. Like she did what she was supposed to do. Like I, you know, I didn't have to tell her. I didn't have to convince her. Like she followed me right out the door. So, you know, her mama instinct kicked in and, and she went straight to the kids and I went to him. It was like it was like we planned it, but it, we didn't. Um she she took care of the kids first. Um, which I think some people would probably think that she should have called 911 first. Uh, but I think that that's her job as a mom. Like I'll run into the fire and deal with the issue, but you got to secure the kids. Don't worry about me. Like I'll, I'll figure my shit out one way or the other. Um, and she secured them, came back to see if I had it handled uh, and then called 911. So I, she was the 911 phone call was like four and a half minutes long and so by the time she got the kids taken care of and, and found a phone because she couldn't find her phone um and found a phone it was about six minutes i was with him yeah yeah i think the 911 is uh you're your you were the 911 call i mean 911 calls are i mean can you imagine what would have happened if you weren't you and 
he was still trying to hurt you. What could have happened four or six minutes within six minutes? I mean, there's a lot of bad things. So the 911 call is great, but in the reality, you were the 911 call mm -hmm. and he was the second there. They were the backup. Yeah. Right? Well, it, uh, I mean, the, the what ifs are what bother me. Yeah. What um, if you weren't home? Yeah. What if I was in training camp? What if the coronavirus wasn't a thing? I wouldn't have been here. I'd have been in Denver. So, it, I mean, that that blows my mind. That that scares the shit out of me because I, my wife's tough, but she's 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 a she's a she's not a fighter, you know. You take her shooting or anything and have her sleep with. Yeah, that. yeah. So that's that's all kind of the next steps. It's figuring out how to make everybody here feel safe. So, yeah. um, I'm picking. Uh, actually, next week uh, I go all the way to Connecticut. Uh, pick up a fully trained turnkey ready uh, two year old uh, Belgian Malinois. Oh, so this uh, <laughs> this guy is legit. He is good. He's really good. So there's that. We're gonna we're gonna go with the we're gonna go with the home protection dog for when I'm not here. Um, have him roam in the streets of my house. Um, and we got to get her going on this on this uh, shooting thing. We got to. Because I, I think that she would feel more comfortable oh, if yeah. she was more confident in her abilities. It's not even about having the gun and, and being able to shoot. It's 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 about knowing that you, you can take care of yourself and the kids. I think it I think it comes down to just relying on other people. I think is where a lot of the nervousness comes. Like right now, she's relying on me to keep everybody safe. On my side of it, it's a lot of fucking responsibility. You know, like it'd be nice to to know that, you know, if I run somewhere, if I'm overnighted somewhere or I'm training or, or whatever, that like she can do what she needs to do if someone comes in. Um, and I think even with me here, it'd be nice having someone to have your back in one of those situations, you know? Yeah, my wife, my wife, uh, she was a big anti-gun, you know, liberal and this and that, but, uh, you know, being married to me, obviously that kind of changed. And now, me being gone a lot now she loves having that gun at her bedside when i'm gone because we live in the boonies our response time is over 20 minutes um so she she feels safe as shit because she has that gun with her on the bedside and even when she goes out sometimes she has to go shopping and it's late she has to be in a walmart parking lot or whatever you know she she that that gun for some reason that gun and no, knowing how to use it it breeds a lot of self-confidence and it, it just yeah. it makes people sleep a lot easier. It just does. I mean, mm -hmm. so. uh, one, one other thing that he's not mentioning is two of her sons that John's been training for years are black belts and live at home. So, <laughs> and they're both, they're both, they're both like one's 200 some pounds and one's like 160 gonna... and they hit like fucking mules. Yeah. <laughs> not that too. My, so I got my own live in personal uh, body. And then my son, who's 38, uh, he's a black belt. He's a, he's fought MMA and stuff, but he's, uh, so I got all, I got all my bodyguards around, but it's nice knowing my wife when I'm not home, you know, she, she can pick up the pistola and, and use it if she has to. Right. Right. So, and so that's our, that's our next step is, is yeah. to, to get her going and and I just want her to be more comfortable, you know, like yeah. I want her to feel safer. And, and, you know, we got to figure out now that I'm through the fight and we got the downtime in the summer, like we got to figure out, cause it, I think 
I think martial arts and self-defense is kind of like, you know, in, 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 you know, training to, to shoot and be comfortable with a, with a weapon. I, I think kind of like trying to teach your kids or coach your kids in football or something. Yeah. Like, it's always better if someone else does it. So of yeah. course, like I could teach her and, and, but I think that it would be more beneficial if someone else did it. Uh, I think that you get in that husband, wife, you know, I want her to do it, do it this way. And she's kind of fuck off, you know, <laughs> you know, I want to, you know, so I think it's just, it's just better. He's like, he's like married to my wife. That's <laughs> it's I just mean, better. If someone else does it and, and let her, let her learn her own way. Let her be her own person and do that and not have me breathing down her neck about how to do it. What about um, the kids? So I, I don't know. I mean, they're not really old enough to do anything. Is it, uh, the, the only difference that they do now is they follow me around and make sure all the doors are locked because they definitely blame me because I left the door open. So they absolutely blame me for, for leaving that open and, and not like in a negative way, but it's like, yeah, daddy left the door open and the bad guy came in. Um, you think you're going to train, uh, have them train in martial arts? Oh, for sure. For sure. My oldest isn't, you know, she's more of a volleyball girl. You know, she did, a, she's done a little bit of jujitsu. Um, but my younger two uh, are, are definitely, they're the fighters of the three for sure. You just can't, you just can't uh, as much as I wanted my kids to all train martial arts, my son did it a little bit. My daughters, they just, they come to the gym, they know how to kick and mm-hmm. cardio stuff, but they just never went to it. I can't, just like my dad was a writer you know, newspaper writer, I, I didn't want to do that. So I can't make my kids, right? like his kids probably won't be orthopedic surgeons, but you want every kid to be a martial artist because that's one activity that changes their life forever. Mm-hmm. See, you well, but I don't want to force it. You know, I don't want to force it and make them hate it because yeah. they'll hate it. Yeah. I don't want them. I don't want them to hate it. So I, I want them to want to do it before I start pushing it, you know? So I, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of letting them, letting them love it for now, you know, and, and did you start training. Uh, uh, I started wrestling as a kid, and, but I didn't, I started MMA training, like, you know, jujitsu and kickboxing and boxing at uh, 17. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Why you wanted to fight in the UFC? No, I started fighting before I started training. Okay. Uh, back in the, back in the day, it wasn't sanctioned here in Nebraska back in yeah. 2006 when I started. So I remember seeing a flyer for an amateur fight night at a subway. I was like, I don't know what to, I don't try this shit. You know, I'd seen like, uh, that my grandpa, I'd snuck in like some of those blockbuster VHSs and snuck some of the old UFCs under there. Uh, I think the first, you're going to hate this, but I think the first like full beginning to end UFC event that I watched live was, uh, Rampage and Chuck. And then, wow. and so, yes. Do I, pride too. Oh, the second one. Second one. Second one, yeah. Yeah, second one. So, uh, like beginning to end, like I'd seen fights and caught one here and there or whatever. But what did that fight teach? What is the one thing that that fight taught you? Um, Chuck said it right after the fight too. I don't remember what he said, but never, I like look. Never lead with a left hook to the liver. Never lead with a. <laughs> he said, "Oh, John always tells me never lead with a left hook to the liver." Because while you're going down for the left hook to the liver, person's coming with the right hook, and fight yeah. was all over. You yeah. always set up the liver shot, just FYI. Yeah. But that was a terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that so, and I was hooked, and I so I wanted to go try it, and it was just showed up and signed up and fought. Yeah. And then I was getting my ass kicked, 
And then uh, uh, people think the Glover fight was bad. I used to get my ass kicked way worse than that when I was an amateur. Uh, yeah. So then I uh, started training with this old guy and his, you know, had this little thing built off the back of his house. And uh, his name was Marty Anderson. And I trained with him all the way until I turned pro in 08. And then when did you get with uh, Mark? Uh, I've been with Mark three and a half years now. Yeah, where were you? So you were training with that other guy up until then? No, no, I was at uh, I was here locally. I've been, I've had the same jujitsu coach uh, since, like, I started with that older guy and then met Scott a couple of months later, and I kind of trained with both of them. And then, so I've had the same jujitsu coach from white belt all the way through black. Um, been with my boxing coach here because I, I, tra- I do my only do my training camps in Denver, but I still train uh, in between fights uh, here in Nebraska. Yeah. So I got so like my kind of two separate Mark teams. Took you to the next level. Yeah, for sure. Unbelievable, sure. unbelievable, brother. Well, that's, right? a great, that's a great story, man. It's a crazy story. It's a story, crazy. but for you, man, it must have changed your life big time. As far as again, just self defense and what can happen at any moment. I mean, that's the stuff yeah. that Hans always talking about in our classes. Because I've been jumped. <laughs> I, I've been jumped by this guy who is I couldn't believe how small he was. And I was punching him so hard, and he kept coming, and I could tell he was on crank, and, and everybody was yelling, and I, I couldn't lose because everybody was watching, but it had nothing to do with my kids. So I just right. couldn't lose because I didn't want my ego. You couldn't lose because your kids were on the line. Mm-hmm. So that must have been just, I mean, the, the stakes were so much higher than any fight you've ever been in. Yeah, yeah, it would. It life, didn't it? Yeah, it just, I was just happy I made it through it at the end. I remember, like, the cops came in, I was like, holy shit, I made it. Because I wasn't so sure that I was going to through the entire thing. You know, like, and now looking back, like, he he said he had a, he said he had weapons when I asked him. Turns out he didn't. He said he was, that there was someone else here, there wasn't. Um, so, I mean, it worked out, best case, but uh, it could have been, it could have been way worse. It could have been way worse. He had to jump on me. All right, man. But just well, someone creeping in your house. I just, I can't imagine. You only knew he was there because he announced himself, which is. That's nice. that's another one of those what ifs. Like, what if he came in quietly? Yeah. Are you, you going to get a security system? Well, okay. Here's another thing that's going to piss you off. We have a brand new security system. We did at the time. We did at the time. And yeah. We just didn't use it. We just didn't use it. So you just don't use it. We don't yeah. use our security system for it beeps when you open doors and windows. So we always know if someone's coming or going, we have four kids and you know, in the house, we turn it off because the beeping's annoying. The, the beeping is the best part. Cause we like, know, like, Oh, someone's up. Like it's yeah. morning. Someone's up. Someone opened the door. Even if the alarm doesn't go off, you at least hear that right. so, some yeah. door or entry to your house has been messed with, you know? Well, and, and you know, like, my my mother-in-law's here so like the back you know the back sliding glass door downstairs opens and closes all the time so it's like bing back door alert and you're like oh it's just her like could have been a fucking burglar <laughs> i just assumed it was her uh so I mean, it's, it was brand new like three or four months old when he came in it's just we didn't use it and like you said you get complacent like there's been a couple times where we've left the garage door open and i've never even considered that someone would come in the house I started looking around to make sure no one stole my shit. You know, I got all, I got a bunch of expensive shit in the garage. I mean, he, if he wanted to steal something, he didn't even have to come in the house. I mean, I had razors and I mean, he had a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of shit 
in the garage. He could have just started grabbing keys and taking whatever he wanted. But like, psychos don't want shit like that. Sounds like you wanted to die. Yeah, that would go crazy. But well, that was a great martial arts, and I'm glad we got through it because nobody thought when I told a couple people I was going to have you on, everybody thought it's going to be all about this and all the rage about oh, should stop the fight, oh, should done this, should done. I go. I don't even care about fighting. I care about your fucking what happened to your to your life. And I we were gonna talk about this before the fight. Yeah. You know? And I've been yeah. and, and, you know, so I I look up to you. I, I we love watching you, uh, you know, and, and knowing that you're a martial artist, you know, we always thought of you as a really good fighter with a lion heart heart. But now, now you have this this part to you that ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the population will never step foot in an octagon, so they will never know how you feel. But that same percentage will never have to face someone that might be killing their family and go after them bare hands. So the complacency thing is a thing just in life because I I saw a patient today and he said to me, we were talking about something, he goes, well, people don't fight anymore. That's what he said. He was like, you don't need to be, you don't need to worry about that because people don't fight anymore. And he sat there in my office and told me that. It's like, well, usually, but that's, you got to be ready. That's for what it. a beta male says. But, that's a beta male. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I guess maybe my world's different than other people's, but it's not just in, not just in the sport. No. I see people fighting all the time. There's, there's, there's like <laughs> 2 million attacks. We live in California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every, every male. It's not Nebraska. Every right. other male here, every, yeah, 90% of the males there are just betas. John's changing. He's working on changing that. You trying to make people tougher? One per. I just want one. I don't want tough guys like as asshole tough guys. I want a kind, loving. Okay, I'll tell you one, two right now. I'll tell you two of the greatest guys right now that are the toughest guys in the world. You and Glover Teixeira. Yeah. And there's nothing. Yeah. Couldn't. There's not a person in the world that's not gonna say, "Holy fuck, those guys are tough." But you guys are the greatest, kindest, most loving. I can't even talk about it because I get I get emotional because I love you guys so much and I, I I you know I know how much it hurts to to get hurt physically and I know mm-hmm. how much it hurts to lose and and being that tough is hard because it's hard to be fucking tough it's yeah. hard and, and we do it you do it you did it and now you just it saved your family's life by doing it so I'm not gonna get all emotional I promise that's okay. That's all right. I don't mind getting emotional about this shit, but I love you guys. I love, I love you. I love watching you guys. I love watching you guys be so tough, but be so just so loving and kind. And when I, I don't mean like gay loving, but Mm -hmm. like you guys are so fucking, you guys were so, you respected each other so much. And it's so rare in this, in this world, but it's so common in the sport. There are some douchebags, and we know we know that personally, who oh, yeah. who, who are just complete douchebags. But mm-hmm. almost everybody in this sport in the UFC is a kind, compassionate, loving fucking warrior. I know what yeah. I'd say it's a almost, I'd say it's a seventy thirty. You can no, almost se- see it more though when there's no crowd. Like you can see. Wait, seventy thirty. Seventy thirty. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with, in the UFC. I would yeah. go with ninety ten. 90-10, you think so? Yeah, yeah. I because I've been around these people. I feel That's true. I, when I'm at a UFC, even you're gonna fight my guy. I love being in a room with you. 
I love mm-hmm. watching, hanging out with you, and 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 then I have Mark, and I I don't even have to face the door because I feel mm-hmm. so safe. I love you guys. I don't care if you're fighting my guy or not. I right. love martial artists, and I, I love being around them. And you guys are the toughest humans in the world. And and just having this story just like spotlights it. It like proves mm-hmm. everything I say. You proved it. And, and 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 everybody else that says nobody will ever jump in breaking your house why do you need to do this and then you prove them all wrong because they're fucking weak sheep mm-hmm. for sure what you know i always told myself anyone ever comes to my house here's what i'll do yeah it's totally different yeah. <laughs> it's not like that it's yeah. it's not a it, you say that in a, a almost in a uh, like a subconscious feeling like it's like your subconscious thinks you're going to be prepared for it yeah but you're never ready you're never ready for that shit to happen uh but going back to the the glover thing i wish i wish i every person i fought uh i could have that kind of same relationship that i have with glover like he's just he's he's just like you know he's going to take your head off but you also know that like i like i wish there was shit open in jacksonville after that fight, because I would have loved to have sat down with you guys and had a beer afterwards. Yeah. You know, like. You know, that's just... how I got Clover. Yeah. Clover's first fight, he fought my guy. And <laughs> and, and my guy beat him. And mm-hmm. we went in his dressing room because we loved him. We loved everything. Even when he lost, we loved everything about the way he fought. And me and Chuck and, and a couple other guys went in there and go, man, great fight. We love you. We love the way you fight, man. You're fucking. And he's like, hey, can I train with you guys? And it's like, okay, where do you live? He goes, Connecticut. And he lives in Danbury, Connecticut, if you're going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I go, I would love to have you on my team, bro. And like a couple weeks later, he flew out and he, he slept in my, uh, my, uh, my guest house. And he's taught my kids class for years until he had to go, you know, back to Brazil with that whole, you know, that whole visa thing. But yeah. he was like, he's, he's uh, just like you are. You guys are just like Chuck is. You, I mean. All the guys in the same club. Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. He started. Yeah. He started the pit. You know. Yeah. And they're it's just wild. They have the it's heart, world. Yeah, they have the hearts of uh, of fucking uh, of of warriors, but they'll fucking na- take your head off, and that's why I love being around Marshall. He used to be. I'm not gonna say he was a beta male because I won't say that because he's a doctor, but his confidence since I met him, and he's now he's like, what are you a green belt? Green belt, right? What? It's a, yeah, getting, getting there. Green something. Anyway, he's been training me in my class. He used to spar like this. Now he like spars like he's, I've, whoa, slow it down. The Easy. Confidence, <laughs> confidence, right? Tell me there's more confidence. Well, there was. I always told John, I trained martial arts until I was 10 in Taekwondo. And I took a break until I was 40. <laughs> and then I met John. So then, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. So awesome. It is. And and uh so anyway, all right. Well, I'm gonna let you go because I know you're a busy guy. You you have big leaked me in the past before, but I never, mean, never I'm, I'm used to that because when, when have I ever big leaked guy, you? I'm the I can't think of one guy. time. I can't oh, think wow. of one time. I know, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right. No, but all right. I love I love meeting with you and I loved uh I love Mark, you know. Um mm-hmm. speaking of Mark. Dude, 
talk about a tough guy move. He was on our podcast. The whole time he was on our podcast on video, he's in the ER and they're cutting his hand open, doing some procedure on him. And he's just talking to us like they're not doing it. He has his hand. He's, he's getting a procedure done on his hand in yeah. the emergency room yeah. while he's on our podcast. Yeah, I love Mark. And I, I love Mark. And I love the, we're a family. You know, you got you got Court, who's one of my he's like, a, you know, he's like one of my sons. And uh, he loves it there, too. He loves you. He always talks about you. I love Court. I love that Court, guy. Court is, uh, you got Glover. You got you. You got Court, Glo- uh, Glover, Court. You, Chuck, Tim Kennedy, we got Ramsey, Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are like, they're gold. They're golden people. And, and, and they're not weak. A weak person is a worthless person, is a useless person. They're not brave. They're fucking worthless. A tough right. guy like you guys that could take people's heads off, but you choose not to, you guys are the, are the, are the, are the fucking alphas, and you guys are the people that are going to keep our country safe. So, Ping, is that too much? No, I think that's awesome. I don't think so. I, I lost my voice on that one. I've, I've been, I've been. But anyway, we love having you. We're Thanks, here, man. You, man. We love. We're part of the family. You fought Clover now, so now you're like, you're like a brother. No, nah, you now we're tight. Oh my god! All right, well, uh, he loves you. I still wanna, I still wanna make it out there sometime. So uh, Boys, let's stay in touch, and you guys ever get a, you ever get a, a free minute. Um, I'd like to have you guys on my show. Okay, love it. We love it, and uh, let's do it. And, and and let's talk about let's talk about martial arts, and let's let's make this world a better place. Go give your yeah. wife and your three beautiful daughters a hug, and thanks for coming, brother. Definitely, man. Nice meeting you. Thanks, guys. Take care, brothers. See ya.